Oh, I tell you what. Y'all ain't gonna believe this. I gotta well see what I was gonna do. Go get me a two liter Coca-Cola. Then it's gonna go out to the liquor store and get me a small bottle. You know, just a little bitty bottle I can carry around. Well, here's how I do it. I go to I go to the, the McDonald's. I get me a large Coke. Then I drink some of that out. And then I got to buy like five minutes right on my bike and go out to the liquor store and then I get me a little bottle. When I take off, I do it. I put me a little bit in my cup. Then I ride around a little bit. But anyhow, I'm at McDonald's. And you know what I did? I said, girl, I wanted just a large drink to go. She goes, okay. So I went to pull the money out. I left my pipe in my pocket. But it crashed through the countertop. I nonchalantly picked it up, put it back in my pocket. Then I went in my other pocket where my bills were, and guess what? You know what? My medicine was in there too. It hit the counter. I went, girl, I'm sorry about that. She goes, that's okay. <laughs> I got my large drink, and I got that. You know what? Out of there, and I, I went, you know. I got a date Thursday night. Bullet, 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 bullet. Is this a metal thing? Yes. Sure, I'm sorry about that. You know what I did? Uh, uh, yes. Sometimes I got to just straight up steal stuff from your mom's house. I mean, sometimes somebody comes along who just captures your heart so thoroughly that, uh, and usually, you know, here at Horror Movie Talk, we celebrate the strange, the odd, the different. What? <laughs> And today is no different. Uh, we uh, be how, but 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 be how, but be how. Two layer cocktail. That man is. He's a special kind of guy. He's a mm-hmm. good. He's a good man. All right. Hello and welcome to horror movie talk. <laughs> Your panel of expert hosts are. Are me, Doctor Bryce Hansen. I hold a PhD in spookology, and across from me sits two liter a two liter of Coca Cola of sweet man candy. Oh. David Day, he yeah, is well. the foremost expert in. Be uh, Let's be new... careful with those pronouns, though. Come on, that'd be kind of nice. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, we review horror movies. That's what we do. When we got a great show today, we'll be reviewing a horror movie. 
called White Noise. I was on like, Netflix. me how? <laughs> are, are you sure? Me I was like, Bryce, what? Uh, Bryce, did you? Are you sure this is a horror movie? And then a thing happened, and I was like, Bleh. this, Bleh. and then, uh, and then that thing stopped happening. That scary thing that happened didn't happen again. Um, other kind of scary things happened, but yeah, but we're just going with it. Apparently, there it's, was a Christian Bale movie on Netflix that would have sufficed. See, that one wasn't even classified as horror, though. That was classified as a mystery. According to IMDb, it was. Well, you know, I go off of what Fandango says. Well, it's what the kids want. People are watching this movie. Uh, And, you know, the patrons, this whole thing is... is, Actually, Fandango says the pale blue eye is also a horror. But irregardless, uh, we'll talk about why this is considered a horror movie. And uh, I don't blame you if you don't agree but yeah hey by the way big thanks to new patrons taylor w shane m and eric w thank you guys for uh showing up i was gonna say the patrons have been voting on movies for us to watch every month but more and more non-horror movies are creeping into their votes (laughs) and it's only a matter of time so we're just getting ready for the oncoming onslaught of reviewing movies like small soldiers (laughs) (laughs) a lot of them are are of movies that we mention in reviews. Right. Like Small Soldiers, I talked about. Um, I thought that was the movie that we were watching for Dog Soldiers. <laughs> and, and now we are probably going to end up watching. Also, Biggin is voting on National Lampoon's Animal House. Yeah, that's a kind of a non sequitur. But most of the ones that are that actually win are actual, you know horror movies and actually the last couple months has been pretty uh, it's been uh very pleasing because they've they've nominated some bangers it's true it is true um all right let's let's get into the boilerplate so go to our website horrormovietalk.com we post new episodes every wednesday please subscribe and leave a review if you can, if you want to leave us a voicemail, call 682-253-4468. If you're new to the show, we start out by giving a brief review and a score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge where it makes you angry, 5 being an average film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being so good it transcends. And after we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. And then later on, uh, I'm excited about this new game that I came up with. Um, that I came up with with my wife when we went out on a date last week. Uh, it's called Sufferable or Insufferable, and I'll explain more once we get to it. Uh, we score on a scale of me how to. <laughs> <laughs> we score on a scale of <laughs> to me how. <laughs> I love that man. <laughs> If you guys, uh, if you guys are only listening, you should know that we, um, <clears throat> we have a YouTube channel, and you could have seen that intro that that fine, um, well-adjusted man. On uh, yeah, this whole this whole thing is on YouTube. So head on over to our YouTube, check us out, go toss us a subscrib, a subscribble, and be good people. And blip. <laughs> All right, so we went and saw White Noise. 
And in a lot of ways, I'm still watching it. Mm, yeah. Bam! Here's the trailer. <laughs> Okay, roll film. That stuff causes cancer in laboratory animals, in case you didn't know. Either I chew gum or I smoke. What are these children, yours? That's mine from Wives 1 and 3. There's Babette's from Husband 2. Wilder is ours. We're each other's fourth. Life is good, Jack. I hope it lasts forever. Let's watch a sitcom or something. No! They're calling it the airborne toxic event. We won't come this way. Will we have to leave our home? Of course not. How do you know? I just know. Okay, what if it's dangerous? situation all we have to do is stay out of the way they're passing us dad technically that's illegal <laughs> do sheep have lashes ask your father we're going sideways dad do sheep have lashes doesn't anyone want to pay attention to what's actually happening I wish there was something I could do. I wish I could outthink the problem. There are two kinds of people in the world. Killers and dyers. Most of us are dyers. Right now we're safe. As long as the children are here, they need us. Of some persistent sense of large-scale ruin, we keep inventing hope. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I mean, it seems kind of like a horror movie from the trailer, a little bit, maybe. Oh yeah, we we <laughs> fun and breezy, easy peasy. Um, well, here's the, here's the here's the real scoop on this whole thing. Um, Bryce made a commitment, and he wasn't going to change. He was going to stick with it. Oh, is that what is that what it is? I don't know. Well, I, I'm just anyways, guessing. I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, White Noise can be found on Netflix. Um, it tells the story of a blended family led by Jack, played by Adam Driver, and Babette. Uh, played by Greta Gerwig, as they experience the joy and terror of academia, man-made disasters, and supermarkets. This film is categorized as a comedy-drama horror. If you look on, like, Fandango or on Netflix, I think, or on IMDb. Uh, and, to be honest, if it's one of those things, I guess it's all of them. Because it doesn't quite fit into any of those, <laughs> so, uh, but kind of fits into each of them. Um, the horror element is equally treated with black comedy and comes out mostly in the narrative of the uh, Act 2, which is titled Airborne Toxic Event. 
but it's also sprinkled throughout in in different scenes um however i would forgive anyone for saying this is not really a horror movie but again i would ask what is it then if it's not that yeah it's i i have an opinion on that it's this part it's a part of this of this of a new trend of like meta commentary movies where you get these movies that are just so they they transcend like yeah uh, being pigeonholed into something movies like this and um that everything everywhere all at once i mean you know that you get the kind of proto version of this in movies kind of like the fantastic mr fox these these movies that are they're definitely something parading around as something else you know they're like a commentary on life sort of thing yeah it's uh it's <laughs> it's more of a tone poem than anything it's it's uh anyways it's uh written uh or rather adapted to screen by uh noah bomback who also directed it um, I associate him with his recent movies, The Marriage Story and The Meyerowitz Stories. Uh, lots of stories in this title. Uh, but those are pretty straight-ahead uh, character study dramas. But he also co-wrote the, Wife, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and The Fantastic Mr. Fox with Wes Anderson, which um, you can kind of tell in this movie because both sensibilities blend here in this a- adaptation of Don DeLillo's novel of the same name. The characters are acting like recognizable normal people, but the dialogue they're speaking seems like it comes from a beat poet's fever dream, and the plot borders on the surreal. I'm still processing it, and most of it just kind of washed over me, but the main takeaway is that it matches the general vibe of the late 20th century being an uneasy pre-dystopia. Uh, I imagine I'll watch it again, and that it'll be much better with more reps, especially as you get f- familiar with the rapid-fire, overlapping, enigmatic dialogue. This is one of those where I was like, there's some movies that... I didn't fully appreciate until after I saw him a couple times and really was able to marinate on the dialogue and the character types. Um, like, for example, like, I don't think I appreciated the big Lebowski the first time I watched it. I was like, mm. there well, was so much hype young. over it. Yeah, I was, I was young, but like my friends hyped it up and, and like just the, like especially the the scenes where they're talking and overlapping each other and they're like kind of <clears throat> and like the plot is really convoluted and then it becomes your favorite movie once you get familiar with it and like you you get to you understand like every nuance in the whole um so yeah i mean it's it's hard to it's hard to score or like really come away with like what I thought about it. Cause again, I'm still kind of processing it. Um, Aaron really liked it. She watched it with me and overall, I, I think it's good. Um, it's a unique film and, um, there were definitely parts that I enjoyed. I laughed at some of the dialogue, like some of the, the horror, the like dread comes out 
well. Um, so I'd recommend it. But uh, it's a, <laughs> it's an interesting one to review on Horror Movie Talk. I give it a score of 7 out of 10. And I imagine that might go up over time as I if I watch it again. Um, but right now it's more of a light recommend. Yeah. Um, I definitely know the lane of movie that you're talking about. Um, you know, like for me, Napoleon Dynamite, the first time I saw it, I was like, what is this shit? You know, I, I saw it as a kid and, and then like, and then something inside me was like, yeah, you know, like, mm -hmm." and I would watch it again and again. This though, um, feels like, I I feel like this one, it has a lot of quotable lines that just will go right over my head because there was some stuff that was like, did I, did I hear that right? Or what did they just say? It's such a weird thing to say. And some of them I'd write down, but by the time I get to the middle of writing down one, they said another like really weird quippy thing. Yeah. To me, this, this is just too precocious. Um, you know, this is just, and 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 it's frustrating for a couple reasons. It's frustrating because um, it because of what I saw that Noah Baumbach could do in terms of horror, and which is which is, I mean, there's a part in this that really dips into like some of like some seriously dark, disturbing shit. Um, and, and then, and then it's just kept kind of light and breezy. And I understand, you know, to an extent, I understand the metaphor or the analogy that he's going for, um, what with, uh, COVID, um, you know, this is like, this is like a, the train disaster, the train disaster, big art, big arch version of the COVID storyline kind of told in retrospect or something like that but it's just mostly frustrating because um for me because like it could have because of what he could have done and what this was it just felt like a lot of kind of needless commentary yeah we know what we are okay we get it we're bad people our consumers and the virus is uh, so scary and we're all afraid of death. And yeah, 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 I get it. I know. You know how I know that? Because I've watched 42 million horror movies. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of a horror movie for people who don't watch horror movies, you know, which is much more relatable and much less in your face. Um, but it, it, it did bother me because it just felt so fucking precocious and... And I, it was just, it just felt like it was holding my hand and patting it and being like, David, this is how you should see reality. And it's like, that's how I do see reality. Get out of here with this. I come here for a movie. You know, <laughs> there's a little too close to home on some stuff, a little too far from the mark on other stuff. This, this is a big Adam Driver movie. Um, <clears throat> and he's great in it. Don Cheadle's in it. And he's fine. Andre 3000 for some reason is in it um that was another thing it just felt where was he he was one of the other professors um it just felt it just yeah it just felt strange it was like okay but why are we doing any of this um 
it just it just was a silly thing. Um, so I don't know. For me, I I enjoyed this. Okay, it was a fine movie. Um, it was about a five. Uh, I I don't know. It's nothing nothing to write home about. But it is doing well on Netflix right now, um, and that means it must be resonating with some people. So maybe I'm not in touch with my humanity. So let me know. Me half. Let me know. Does any of that strike you? Um, it's perfectly understandable taking having that take. Like it, it's definitely going to be a type of film that's going to be divisive. Like some people are going to really like it, and some people are going to like just think it's nothing, you know. And I think I'm I'm leaning towards like I'm I'm kind of in between both. I'm leaning towards liking it though. Um, and I, when you have kind of the commentary on like modern life and mixed in with like kind of the absurdities of modern life mixed in with the existential dread of life in general, um, that piques my interest. And, uh, I think there's a lot of scenes that are like, uh, really good um, kind of representations of the feelings that that conveys that that uh, are experienced from those two uh, kind of fears like it, it reminds me a little bit of of like um, Douglas Adams like the Hitchhiker's Guide I mean obviously that's way way more straight ahead humor but the 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 irony around like bureaucracy and uncertainty and like happenstance and just being a victim to everything while having your own hang-ups about stuff is <clears throat> just real fertile ground for me for for humor and horror um but I'd say I'd say give it a chance. Um, I'd I'd be curious what other people think about it. Um, but yeah, we got definitely will be an interesting one to talk about. Before we talk about it, though, what? we got to talk about two liter cow two liter cow cow, um, which is our supporters and advertisers. If you're listening to this and you just listen to some commercials, you should know that you don't have to. You can go on Patreon.com and give us a few ducats to remove those pesky commercials. Um, there you'll get access to, at some levels, uh, commercial-free versions of our episodes with early access as soon as we edit them, as well as lots and lots of bonus content. Man, we should just calculate how much, how many hours of bonus content there are on Patreon. It's, it's hundreds now. love that idea. That's a great idea. <laughs> Just a counter of yeah. like... And it would go that fast. Go tick, 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 tick. I'm sure we've got hundreds of hours of afterpods. Um, we've got at least like 20 patron-exclusive episodes for for some patrons. Uh, but go ahead and check that out. Also, go to our website, horrormovietalk.com slash shop, and then you can find our logo tees as well as our team spear team bat 
Team Bat shirts and stickers and whatnot. All designed by our resident artist, Dustin Goble. He's a professional artist who fucks hard, so you should check him out at Instagram, at dgoble 0 That's at D-G-O-E-B-E-L-0-0. And if you want to call us and be like, uh, call us at 682-253-4468. Thanks again for listening. Let's get into spoilers. Um Bryce, how did you come to choose this movie? Um well I saw it it came out like a week or two ago. I think it came out a week ago and <clears throat> it just kind of piqued my interest. You know, it, was, it looked like a disaster horror movie kind of in the vein of Greenland or, um, or whatever. And I was kind of, and obviously it was going to be a and real kind of indie is. treatment. Yeah. Vaguely. Uh, a, just didn't yeah. have the tone exactly. Right, yeah, and that's what I was interested in. Was like I couldn't really get a handle on what they're trying to do with it, and they're kind of be vague, being vague with the trailer. So I was like, and I like Noah Baumbach, uh, so it piqued my interest. Other than that, I really didn't know anything about it and hadn't really heard anyone talk about it. But the fact that it's was classified as a horror and Fandango, and I was like, well, this is new. Let's do this. Yeah, it felt like Bombach's attempt, it felt like him being like, you know what movie I really like? The Dead Don't Die. And then, <laughs> and then by Jim Jarmusch. And, uh, and then he like did his version of that, which is, I mean, it really looks like his version of Dead, The Dead Don't Die, which in my opinion is a far, far, far superior film in a lot of different ways, um, but that's just a taste thing, I imagine. I, you know, if if you were to talk to Aaron, uh, I'm absolutely certain that this is at least more towards center mass than uh, than it is for me. Well, I mean, a lot of my analysis w- watching it like broke down when I realized when I found out that it was an adaptation of a novel, like. This was written in 1985, so a lot of my stuff was like, oh, this is like a weird commentary on COVID. And it's like, no, I mean, when I read the Wikipedia article about the novel, it's a pretty, it's a one-to-one adaptation of what goes on in the novel. And I think a lot of, like, the style and a lot of the dialogue is, is just preserving the tone and the and this from the source material and it's one of those where <clears throat> it's a postmodern novel um and kind of in that vein of you know surreal writing around not writing like people talk but writing, writing like, like how like how a director in the 80s thinks people talk 
Like it's it's just like there's layers of conversation going on in the around the breakfast table every morning, and it's like yeah. Um, I mean, it, it it did remind me a lot of some other directors, um, just in the in the way it treated dialogue and the way it was like artificial but genuine, you know. So like it it reminded me of kind of a uh kind of a more <clears throat> uh what would you well uh, the 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 directors that came to mind were the Cohen brothers uh Wes Anderson and Robert Altman Wes Anderson is a little more on the nose because like some of his movies were written with Noah Baumbach and so there's definitely a like a similar sensibilities um robert altman mostly just from the overlapping dialogue where everyone's just talking over each other um and the coen brothers um more it's like coen brothers are a little better about making people's dialogue seem very true to characters um and seem like oh yeah this person could exist but it's also like a like a heightened version of a real person. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's like the, the thing to get over is like the hardest part to parse is the dialogue and, and like what they're saying. Cause it comes so rapid fire and what they're saying is like, it's commenting on things happening, but how they're saying it is its own thing. So, like, for example, they're talking about, um, you know, this airborne toxic event. And this is where it, it, it feels a lot like the experience of COVID, where it's people have partial information. And then there's people that seem like they know everything. But, like, the opinions and the guidance change every, like, five seconds. It's like, oh, this, I experienced this. This is exactly what I experienced a couple years ago. Yeah, you said, you said something to the effect of, you know, it seems like this was a response to COVID, but it was actually written in 1985 and yada, yada. Yeah, but... Like this, I mean, he found this and was like, "Oh shit, this matches up with this 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 reality that this thing that just happened so perfectly." Like it's, like it is, it's it is kismet that that this was written in '85. It's just way before its time. Yeah, and apparently this has been like slated for adaptation for decades. Like, I can't remember who else was attached to it, but. Noah Baumbach is like the second or third director that was slated to direct this. <clears throat> um, but uh, so it starts out and the first half of it is, or the first like act of it is really around uh, Adam Driver's character and his life. Um, he's the foremost uh, expert in Hitler studies a a uh, uh discipline that he 
originated apparently. Uh, and you know, a lot of other stuff is set up in the first act is his wife, um, Babette is taking these mysterious pills called Dilar and one of his, of their like, what is it? Six or seven children like finds us out and four, f- four children, um, finds that out. Um, but mostly it's around like academia. It starts out with, with Don Cheadle talking about Hollywood car crashes, which was an interesting way to talk about, because I agree with what, what he was saying. Yeah, no, the first half hour of this movie is fucking brilliant. It's, it's nothing short of, it's, it's exactly what you want the first half hour of your movie to be. This is a Steven Spielberg first half hour of a movie. It truly is. It's, it sets things up. It's, it's got, it sets things up really well. It, it establishes incredibly interesting characters and, uh, and it's got menace thrown in. Um, it's, it's got it all in, in a really good tight package that's interesting and, and hooks you for another hour and a half of just kind of, uh, just like not Steven Spielberg movie. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. I could see, I could see that. Um, I mean, I was kind of equally engaged throughout all of it. Like it's all of it hit me ab- about the same way um, in terms of like, this is a lot of this seems like absurd and like just a weird take on stuff. Like just the fact that <laughs> like all the professors at this university seem like they're teaching like they're drama teachers, but they're teaching like, you know, weird subjects like and and chasing fame apparently and patting each other on the back about it so yeah i mean um so jack is yeah that he's the hitler studies scholar and then don Cheadle wants to like get his level of renown by having a course on elvis and then there's this weird scene where they both where Don Cheadle asked him to come into his class to kind of like piggyback off of his fame somehow. And he's talking about Elvis and then Jack is talking about Hitler and it's overlapping. And it's this weird, surreal scene. And (laughs) there's this like three minute moment where you're like, is Elvis Hitler? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It could have gone such a different way if Hitler had found sequence. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if he had found karate and sequence, he could be one of the world's foremost artists. That's right. I think. Um, but and, and then like Adam Driver is like wearing these like dark sunglasses and wearing basically like a cape. It's <laughs> it's cool though. I like it it's it's great it's it's like and and the thing is like it's kind of a misdirect because i'm assuming that they're gonna do something with that and they never really do in the story because there's there's some parts where adam driver is talking about hitler and then he's like standing in front of a projection 
of Hitler, like his face is overlaid on his, like Hitler's face is overlaid on driver's face. And I'm assuming like, oh, how I assume this is going to go is this pandemic, this, uh, you know, disaster is going to happen and he's going to take charge and start emulating Hitler. I'm like, well, that's not what happens at all. And it's just basically abs- uh, showing academia being kind of obsessed with uh, fame or pop culture and like tr- trying to heighten stuff like this, which is true. It's kind of interesting. Like if you look at course catalogs or I mean, I, I went to Portland State in you know, the early 2000s. And part of my, like, general education (laughs) was these, like, this course, uh, there was a course on pop culture, which was, which was interesting. Um, just because it's, it frames it in a highly academic way and, like, gives you a way to analyze pop culture from an academic lens. But as I, step away from like i mean what what good did that do at all you know as it turns out if people like you and me can teach that course it's uh you can put it up for free and uh and still not do that great (laughs) well i'll tell you what i mean i have a podcast about horror movies and so you know really it's only been a benefit to me Uh, you know, this movie felt like, I mean, <clears throat> felt like a bunch of cul-de-sacs, you know, where it was like, uh, it was like you could never get on the main road and just go and get to where you're going. Instead, the destination was the next cul-de-sac, which was the destination for the next cul-de-sac. So you just get in there, you'd spin around for a spin or two You'd see all the houses, you'd see the basketball hoop over here, and then you'd continue on. Uh, and you never quite get to the end of the line. You never quite get there, but you see a lot of interesting stuff along the way. It's a bunch of slice-of-life shit that you would see in a neighborhood. You know, it's just like... And it's a bunch of people reacting in human ways to scary shit that they don't understand. And then... And they're sure of one thing. They're sure of this fucking thing being the absolute fucking truth right now. And then ten minutes later, they can't remember that thing for the fucking life of them. The the thing that they were preaching to you about being the absolute truth. And you're like, yeah, man, I don't know. And then ten minutes later, they're just on to the next thing. They've forgotten entirely that this whole, it's so fucking wild. Yeah, and so there was a lot of this movie where I, you know, I did my thing where I, uh, where I just, I, I, uh, what do you call it? What do you call the thing that I do? Um, uh, um, project. I projected myself onto all the main characters and, um, and midway through the movie, you know, so this, this airborne toxic event occurs and it's terror and everyone's escaping and they have left their house too late. You know, everybody else has already left because the looming horrible terror is in the sky. And, and Carrie looks at me and she goes, this is why I married you. This would never happen to us. 
you you are the canary in the coal mine the canard if you will <laughs> and uh and i was like oh yeah that is true because there's as soon as soon as shit starts popping off there are people who are like this is nothing and there are other people who read deeply into it and uh, too far into it and uh and i'm somewhere on the very light end of that spectrum where i'm just like i'm out bye you know (laughs) i'm I'm moving away i'm leaving um but like i'm gonna get my two-layer and (laughs) yeah no i it was um yeah but She's right, though. It would never happen to us. Never. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> no, it's a really good way of, of framing it. Like, it, there is a couple distinct cul-de-sacs of, like, topics or ideas that it just kind of sits on for a little while. But neither one really necessarily lead into or affect the other. And I think that is made apparent from, you know, having the title cards for each each section of the story so there's what's the what's the first one i don't know it's i don't know um but it kind of represents like normal life under capitalism like education it's it's kind yeah it, well this well this i know the, just... the second one is the airborne toxic event the third the last one is Dilarama, which is the the pill oh the first one is waves and radiation um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think the, the first part, like it really sets it up and the other, um, kind of really enigmatic part of this movie is, is the role that the supermarket plays. Oh, I love, th- this is the one part that I'm fucking so down with this supermarket analogy or whatever this thing is capitalism slash art all melding together i'm on board this is the coolest part of the movie yeah that this this part of the first act and then also like the credit sequence i don't know if you watch the full credits like me and aaron just let it wash over us it was great but they're at the supermarket and it's this (laughs) gives you this weird uneasy feeling about consumerism where it's like this supermarket's too large, but you're not sure if it's too large or if it's actually how big a supermarket really is. But it's like a soundstage or warehouse-sized supermarket that's... And I'd like to say it's stylized, but it's not. It looks just like a supermarket, you it know? It is stylized, Bryce. It is absolutely stylized especially and and that is put on the best display when you get that backup shot like the roof shot of the whole place because there's you know whereas the palm olive soap would be in this section here that's literally the space of my hands it's taken up this much instead it's multiplied by seven so now it's as wide as i can put my hands out and it's and it's palm olive as deep as as the entire thing you know there's no it is fully stocked and it all the result is when you have you know when you have seven 
uh, columns of Captain Crunch next to each other, and they're 30 boxes deep on each one of those columns, you get this, you get these, these color palettes that are just like, oh, whoa, it's just the most shockingly cool look. And suddenly your consumerism in your head kicks in. You're like, I want to buy those things. Like, you're like, I, this is a cool place. I want to go there. I want to buy the stuff. And then like, you get to like, sit there with your thoughts, watching this being like, oh shit, it's, it works on me. Like, no wonder I go into there and I buy a bunch of stuff and it's too much. It's a crazy, uh, all you have to do as it turns out is just magnify things five times like like not a lot like and then you and just get... like bright colors that's what that's what people love just put bright colors in front of them. you know there's there's a weird realization here here's an exercise that you can do of like this is how narrow uh humanity is when it comes to getting attention and getting people to uh buy things like a two liter Coca-Cola. Um, as you're driving down the road and as you pass all the fast food restaurants, ask yourself what color palette are they using? Like what colors or what are the brand colors of fast food restaurants? It's red it's like, and yellow. It's it's bright. Yeah, it's red, yellow. A little orange. bit of white. Yeah. Maybe blue. Yeah. Red, orange. Sorry. Red, yellow, and white is like, yeah. that's Burger King. That's McDonald's. Wendy's. That's Wendy's. Yeah. <laughs> that's KFC. KFC. Yeah. It's Popeye's. Yeah. Like, I'm just driving yep. down Highway 99 in my mind. I mean. Yeah, orange. The only one that's not, that now has gone away from it is uh, Taco Bell. They're purple now. But I don't think that's going to last long because <laughs> I think, like, I mean, even you go back to, like, the 90s or something, and they're, they had red and yellow in their signs. And so when you see these supermarket shots and it's, like, all attention-grabbing colors, bright, red, yellow, you know, it's it's crazy. Um, and then <laughs> the best part of it is, like, while they're having – their dialogue and it's all like that's the other thing is it's not just one person in the supermarket it's not one character it's the entire family and also their entire like social group are all shopping together so like he's talking with work colleagues as well as like his family and so it's this weird like communal experience where this is where life happens that's how it is here that is, I'm, I'm not exaggerating at all. That is exactly like you go to the supermarket here. This is such a small community. You meet two people who, you know, their name, like, and you're, you, you are acquainted with them. And then you walk with them for an aisle or two and you talk to them and, and you're like, do you know where the, and they're like, yeah, it's over here. You know, it's, and it reminds me. Of, do you remember being a kid and going to the grocery store with your mom? Yeah, a little bit. And dancing around the cart and being like, I want these, I want these. And like, that is very much Americana. Like, that is a 
part of yeah of it's part of being a because i'm an island boy and i've been trying to make oh i'm an island boy uh (laughs) so yeah i mean it's this unique thing and and my favorite part of it is while they're shopping and while everyone's kind of chattering over the the intercom um is like all these announcements and they're all just brands and I think in this first part, it's all like shampoo brands. They're like Selsun Blue, Head and Shoulders. And it's just subtly over the top of it. And that's the only thing that's being said over the loudspeakers is just products. <laughs> but not just products. Like, yeah, yeah, products, but like question mark. Like, it'd be like Selsun Blue. No. Wait, yeah, no. Selsun Blue. Yes. <laughs> that's right. um and then kind of the first part where like the horror comes in is jack wakes up in bed and um babette's not next to him and they've kind of alluded to like something's going on with babette she's been having memory problems and they know that she's taking these pills and so they're curious what is going on with her whether whether was like what's wrong with her that she's taking pills or what is the effect of these pills having on her and what are they, what's it doing? He wakes up and his wife's not in bed. And then someone gets into bed next to him, but it's not her. or It's like uncertain whether it's her. And then the face is through the sheets, very reminiscent of uh frighteners. Did that remind you of frighteners at all? Oh sure, yeah. It reminded me a lot of different things that did that, that have that uh, that effect. But um, this was so. I mean, this hooked Carrie and I. Like we were like, oh, I'm so down for what this movie is going to turn into. Like really true. Like really desiring more of this or to go further down this rabbit hole. And I'm so frustrated that it did not. It was very frustrating that it did not go that route. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like, I think it has so many great vignettes that are just, just fantastic. And I, and I wish, I think each of them, it makes you wish like, well, I wish they expanded on this and made the movie more about this. That's, that's one of them. Um, And, then the the airborne toxic event happens, so there's a big crash between a train and a and a truck that are both carrying, you know, whatever chemicals, oily goop, and it explodes, sends all this toxic fumes into the air, and a lot of this is like <laughs> dialogue about how they're talking about this, and where it's. Oh, they're saying it's a feathery, a feathery wisp. It's like, no, actually now they've changed it to a, you know, a, a blue billowing plume, a billowing like, plume. Well, that's good. Sure that's just, just, that's good. That just, that means they're honing in on what it is. You know? Yeah. They're, and, they're, they're evolving. They're, they're becoming they're, more realistic about it. It's good. What if it comes this way? It won't come this way. The wind, there's always an air mass from Canada. <laughs> Yeah, all of this like was so gaby flashbacks of the early like months of COVID around like so, 
<laughs> and just around like how they were talking about it, how like everything shifted and then like the guidance of like, oh, you're supposed to do this. And then for me, it was like, whatever, like uh, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to affect me, but I'll do what I need to do to, you know, what I'm being told. And that's kind of like what Adam Driver does is he's like, we're fine. Nothing's going to happen. And then all of a sudden they have these mass, you know, um, evacuation orders. And they're like, okay, all right, I guess we'll go. And a lot of kind of funny, just little touches. Like it introduces this idea of the evacuation with a shot of their neighbor, very Hollywood like backing out swiftly from their driveway and hitting the trash cans on the way out and screeching out. And, and then eventually like a, an actual general evacuation order is given by the, the fire marshal or whatever, which is its own thing. But then eventually the family, uh, the main character's family gets out of town and then they, have the exact same shot with their car, which is backing out speedily, knocking over the garbage cans and then screeching out. And then it pans over to the entire street and you can see every single garbage can along the street has been knocked over as <laughs> from presumably people screeching out of their driveway. And I don't know, little touches like that. I, I, I love, um, and then they're, they're out there like, it's kind of confusion of like, where are we going? Why do we need to go? Like how in danger are we? And then the radios are giving instruction to, to say like, if you're indoors, stay indoors. And you're like, well, wait, a it just told us to leave, you know, <laughs> it's very familiar. You're oh, like, oh man. Yeah. Wait, no. we're and not then, supposed to wear masks. And then when they get masks to the... don't help and when now they, they help. <laughs> Wait, am I supposed to spray my produce when I get home? Or and, oh man, oh man, and, and 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 but it's so real the way the movie yeah. presents it. It's so the movie forgets about its own things the same way we all just fucking forgot about each step and we're so fucking sold on the new truth of the next step, you know. Like it was, that was the real fucking like nutty thing about both the pandemic and this movie was like, how is everyone just forgetting? Why doesn't anybody want to talk about what's actually happening right now? You know, there's even a moment when they're in the car in the river and he's like, they're in a car in a river. Actually, they're family. And everyone's like, do, do, do sheep have eyelashes? And he's like, why doesn't anybody want to talk about the thing that's happening right now? <laughs> this is so much more impressive than whether or not sheep have eyelashes. And everyone's just like, shut the fuck up. Like, what? This was the thing that drove me so fucking bonkers about, about the, where I, I can't even get into it. I can't even get into it without losing my fucking mind. Like, where he walks up, where they get to the camp, the like the <laughs> so fucking yeah. Thinking back on it now, it's I I do enjoy it a little more because it's so fucking insane. 
they get to like a Boy Scout camp that's being that's being used as like a, a a FEMA facility, like an emergency federal emergency facility to house people who have been displaced. And they're like, listen, if you've been in that fucking airborne toxic event for more than 10 seconds, you need to get in line over here. And so he does. He gets in line. He gets to the front of the line. And the guy's like, you're going to die of this. And and he's like, I am. And the guy's like, yeah, you know, we don't know when it could be now. It could be, you know, it could be in 70 years, but you're going to die of this. And think about that. Right. It could be. We don't know when you're going to die of this, but when you die, it's going to be of this. (laughs) And then that's actually what happened in the fucking pandemic where people were dying (laughs) and and they were like, they died of COVID. And it's like, no, they did not. They had COVID and they died. (laughs) Like it was, you're conflating two different things to Uh, get your numbers up, to get more money because that's how the system works. And like, and, oh, you need to take this vaccine. It's a 96% effectiveness rate it's an 86 percent effectiveness rate to today it's like it's a 46 percent effectiveness rate and it's like well it was 46 at the at the start right wasn't it and they're like we didn't know that why didn't you know that there was no testing it's like oh okay well which is it like what is it what's happening you know all this fucking insanity is just constantly allowed to happen and everybody's 100% on board the whole way through and if you say anything against it it's it's cra- you're crazy but the craziness is blip the craziness is the whole way through do you see what's happening to me right now i'm i'm getting psych- i'm getting psychotic um so yeah i mean uh, one of the uh, interesting things that like felt uh very relevant to was their one of their sons like kind of became an expert on what the guidance was and like the terminology and 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 like and then all of a sudden he's getting like a following at this camp that's listening to him because he sounds authoritative and it's like oh yeah that's what happens is someone just sounds like they know what's going on or they they sound like they've heard everything about it and they know what the authoritative sources are and so i can listen to them and you're just yeah, just the experience was represented very well. Um, and then, yeah, the the scene where they're fording the river. I don't. This is one of those where it was like I was drawn out because um, <laughs> this is like whenever you see a chainsaw, David. Like I'm like, oh no, that's not how that will work. Uh, I mean, it's a little obvious. Obviously, like they wouldn't be able to actually ford the river like that but they're in the river and the sun's like turn off the engine i'm like no don't do that and then they like get close to the edge they're like okay turn it back on and then they climb out i'm like that's not what would happen because from life experience um when i was younger we had a we took a trip to lake powell and backed up for some reason we were backing up our Acura Legend, which was probably like an eighty five Acura Legend or something like that. Um and because we we took some jet skis with us, I believe, and so we were backing the trailer up 
and the back end of the car like the 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 angle of the ramp was so slight that like the car was like the back of it was dipping into the water right. to the point where the exhaust was underwater and then turn off the engine and then to like hook it up or whatever and then turn it back on and the fact that the exhaust was in the yeah in the water it like sucked it back yeah in when the the car turned on and it blew up the engine Ooh. like like the the engine was on fire from <laughs> from that from so, all the water inside it <laughs> yeah i mean from whatever it was something blue right. or something no, I, but all i know is the engine was on fire and that was the the end of the acura that acura at least and then we had to figure out how to drive back to washington from utah without one of the cars that we brought and so me and i think me and kevin were in the back seat of my dad's subaru svx which is kevin and i a very small car <laughs> and uh yeah so you know it just really drew me out i was like that's not how that would work that's not dude that's not we don't have well this whole movie was very it was very dreamlike. Like, yeah, it was, it, especially this last this last part, um, the Dilarama part where he's trying to. They eventually figure out what's going on with this these pills that Babette's taking, and it turns much more into like a interpersonal drama, but also this weird it's a weird thing but also some of the some of my favorite scenes are in this third act when he goes to his doctor so the the pandemic already happened <laughs> the thing ha- already happened and he goes to his doctor and this is like probably one of my favorite scenes is the the entire dialogue of the doctor i feel is great and w- one of them that comes out is like he's like oh you've i'm really worried about your potassium levels they're off the charts and he's like well what what does that mean? It's like, well, there's not any time to explain. We have true elevation. We have false elevation. That's all you need to know. You're like, what? You have no it, reason to lie to me. Like and every sister there looking at him like, you lying to me, huh? <laughs> the entire experience of him going to the doctor and him talking about going to the doctor and saying, like, I never say the right thing with the doctors. is like, this is exactly my experience with doctors it's like i don't feel like i ever get any useful information it's only worry and i don't know how to like speak for myself and it was like this is this is good stuff and it's very representative of that and then just kind of the yeah the the dialogue where the daughter and the and jack are trying to figure out what's going on with the best part of the whole movie was that single line. <laughs> the homework the homework was a canard. It's like <laughs> like the like our house just stopped in that line. I was like, "What?" Yeah, and see the this is why I canard. feel like I need to watch it again because it took me till the third act to really get in the zone with the dialogue and like let that stuff like land where it's like, okay, I, I get what they're doing now. And 
like all the all the dialogue and stuff in the in the third act was like okay this is pretty funny I, I found myself chuckling more and more like and and like when he so he finds out the the whole story about the dialar drug is Babette has a fear of death and got into this drug testing program where this pill is supposed to heal you from your fear of death and that but there's a lot of like side effects and so they stop doing the the test but she still wants to take it so she gives sexual favors to one of the main people there so she can keep getting the drugs and they talk about some of the other side effects like one of the main ones is not being able to ex- distinguish between uh words and objects or something like that so if you said you know uh you know the gun fired or something like that you you would just experience it as you're being shot at kind of thing and <laughs> and so like this last part is jack trying to find the source of these drugs and then he does and a lot of the dialogue around this where it's like the guy that's apparently just super addicted to this drug now is talking and I almost feel like I would love to watch all of this dialogue being delivered by um, Werner Herzog. Because, <laughs> like, the uh, the part where it's like, there's a, there's a tacit agreement with being indoors, you know. Being indoors means that, you know, you entered a room that I existed in. And it's just this weird just kind of like <laughs> why is why is this what we're talking about anyway right yeah no no it's 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 kind of the it feels like the opus of the book a little bit you know it feels like oh these are the points we've been trying to get across kind of although the whole the whole story feels that way like one of the things that kind of like locked it into place with me was I read the um, Wikipedia article for the book and it has a section like a short paragraph, which is an analysis. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I mean, that's that's what this was. It says uh, white noise explores the several themes that emerged during the mid to late 20th century, e.g. rampant consumerism, media saturation, novelty, academic intellectualism, underground conspiracies, the disintegration and reintegration of the family, human made disasters and the potential regenerative nature of violence. The novel style is characterized by a heterogeneity that utilizes montages of tone, styles, and voices that have the effect of yoking together terror and wild humor as the essential tone of contemporary America. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty on the nose. That's <laughs> fucking like, absolutely dead on. That is, yeah, yeah no, that's... So, like, the, the this last act is, like, that potentially regenerative nature of violence, which... <laughs> It's like, what does that mean? Well, just watch the movie, and then it starts making sense. You know? Yeah, she, he's like, how'd you know I was going to try and kill him? And she goes, men are killers. And it's like, <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, wow. Yeah, no, that's that's really all you do need to say in that case. Like, <laughs> it is that simple. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, no. Yeah, in a lot of ways, this movie really, um, this story really encapsulates a lot of the, you know, I, I if you have listened to a decent amount of this podcast, you know about my, my deep desire to just fade away into the woods, you know, to leave society. And, uh, and it's, and it's because of this, it's because of this feeling that this movie gives you is, is like, oh yeah, we are way too detached from what we are as humans. And we are some sort of, I don't know, consumer. We're some sort of like, we've entered some, some, some group of people that's way too large. Like we were not meant to be in groups this big. We were meant to be in much, much, much more small, manageable, intimate settings. And, uh, and when you get into these giant groups, it feels horrifying. Like it just, it's too much. And, uh, and ev and everybody has experiences that differently, but, uh, but none of the effects are good. And, and we need things like this to like kind of ground us a little bit to remind, to remember what, what it is that, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, I kind of, I, I like it a little more now. It's maybe like a five and a half. <laughs> no, it's maybe a six. Well, who would you recommend White Noise to? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, man. I mean, if you are a fan of horror movies, uh, this is a maybe, you know. Uh, if, if, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. If you like, if you like kind of heady stuff, uh, if you like, you know, social commentary kind of stuff, if you really like being put in a place of unease, yeah, this this is kind of that. Um, it's also pretentious, uh, you know. So, do you know if you're if if you're an A twenty four fan? Hey, more you than you know the uh, the Friday the Thirteenth fan who will really hate this. Yeah, I mean it's an ambitious kind of book to adapt like there's yeah anyways um i'd i'd recommend it it's definitely like i mean it's on netflix uh, almost everyone has access to it and it's something that would be a real conversation starter to at the very least um okay so moving on i've got a new game that's uh <laughs> I'm kind of excited about, and I'll give the kind of the background, and, and this will explain what we'll be doing. It's very simple. It's not really, it's, yeah, it's kind of uh, close to Mary Fuck Kill, but it's just uh, either or. So I, <clears throat> I was out on a date with my wife, and... Um, I can't remember what spurred it, but I started talking about celebrities and I, I asked her like, who, who do you think is a celebrity that if you sat down with them or you had some happenstance to spend time with them, to hang out with them, who do you think would be insufferable? And, 
and then conversely, who would be sufferable? So <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. So you just like who is like if you actually sat down with the actor themselves, right? Like who do you feel like? Right. Yeah. Who could it's I? It's a little too who, much. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who would be? It's basically who would be a good hang. Yeah. And who would be somewhere you're like, oh, this is so cringe. And so Whoa. we're gonna go through go through some. I love this some game. Actors. Yes, I love this game. Um, well, actually, maybe first to start it out, like who's an actor that you think would just be insufferable to hang out with? That's a good question. I'll I'll start out and say Jared Leto. I feel oh. like Jared Leto would be just an insufferable person to be around. Okay, why? In whatever aspect of it. And I think really what it comes down with a lot of these and kind of the um the key to unlocking whether they're insufferable or not or this like yeah, connecting them with like, oh, these are drama kids. Like this is a drama nerd that was at in drama in high school and how much has that extended throughout their life to make them insufferable? But he's and Morbius. so Jared Leto would be one of those guys. Where it'd yeah, be like, no, I, I'd say that's a fair. Yeah, that's okay. Good, we've done. You'd be it. like, you know, very tryhardy, and he'd be doing something, you know, to like make himself get attention. Do you think? I feel like yeah. Uh, but and, he's and, in he's in he's in all the very best movies. Well, I mean, he was in probably you know one of the top three favorite movies of mine, which is Requiem for a Dream. Um, also, Fight Club, also American right. Psycho, also, uh, also Panic Room, and Morbius. Yeah, but everything I see about him. Off screen sounds like he is just an insufferable douchebag. Fair. Okay. Let's. Who, okay. Wh- who's, me, who's, who jumps thing. to mind as an insufferable actor for I, you? I can't. Like, just giving it t- t- to me like that, I, I okay. can't really oh, that's think fair. anybody. That's fair. Okay. Um, we'll go through a couple ones that work. We're, we're good. So, like, here's. here's I'll, I'll throw some, some uh, lobs at you. Okay. Uh, insufferable or sufferable jack black Ooh, yeah see this is this is difficult because um because jack black tries really hard when he's put on the spot you know but i feel like he's not really that way person to person Mm. you know i feel like he has a different a way different gear on uh-huh. a personal level. So, I mean, I could see how he would be easily insufferable in on many people's lists. I just don't believe that's who he is. I think I think that's a thing that he puts on for people. I see a lot of myself in Jack Black. So, uh so yeah, I think he's I I could I could hang. So, sufferable. Sufferable. Yeah, this was an easy answer for Good me. Hanger, was, uh, I think he's I think he's sufferable. Like yeah. he's he seems fun. Uh, like even like at his most No, but this is the best 
first question you could have come up with. Right, yeah. I mean, even at its most animated, it's not like... It feels very genuine. It feels like it's coming from... Right. Like, within and not being conjured, you know? Right. Um, and, the yeah, the other... Okay, uh, how about uh, Anne Hathaway? Oh, insufferable. <laughs> insufferable. <laughs> I have to look at her fucking insufferable face now. Yeah, no. Man, she, boy, is she fucking gorgeous. But yeah, no, see, totally insufferable. See, here's here's the thing. I think she's sufferable. Oh. Like, on the surface. That's because you like, like first, that, you like first, that movie, that, uh, that uh, misery movie, The Miserables. Well, yeah, that. No, I actually like it in uh, Love and Drugs or whatever that that other movie was with uh the princess diaries oh man well if you haven't seen love and other drugs do yourself a favor david watch that movie pendulous Um, huh pendulous breasts (laughs) yes um okay so here's my first knee-jerk reaction is insufferable because she is like the epitome of drama kid Mm. like very much like yeah kind of a drama nerd a little bit of a tryhard but i think she's actually actually sufferable because i think she's just a real nice genuine person oh no like that a thing is they can't help how to how you know insufferable they are it's not like a put on it's just like kind of slightly part of their personality but i've been around a lot of these people you know, I I have a degree in vocal performance, so I've have a strong tolerance for tryhardy, you know, insufferable people, and I I think she would be sufferable. As you were talking, I had a a horrible thing happen to me, which is I I saw this discussion for what it was. <laughs> you and me talking about Anne Hathaway as being insufferable or sufferable uh-huh. and suddenly i just realized we're completely insufferable yes exactly and, i and mean uh, the worst this is, this is a bad look bryce this boils down <laughs> fame to its essential element which is i get to talk about you do i you like <laughs> this person that i know absolutely nothing about right and Gives that somehow some importance whatsoever. Ugh. Ugh. But it's fun. Okay, on that vein, her star in Love and Other Drugs, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, wow. Wow. You picked... Okay, so... There is a YouTube clip of somebody saying, is that how I pronounce your name, Gyllenhaal? And he goes, actually. Gyllenhaal. <laughs> he says, it's Dutch. And so the correct pronunciation is Gyllenhaal. And, and at that point, I went, Mm-mm. no, no. Not a not a cool guy. Not somebody I could hang with. One of the best actors, um, for sure. Uh, I fucking absolutely, I absolute Nightcrawler is 
Nightcrawler is like Rear oh. Window, you know, like it's maybe one of the best movies ever made. Um, and will be remembered <laughs> that way, but not a not a guy I could hang out with. Yeah. Okay. So this is another that's like right on the razor's edge for me, where it's like, can you, can he hang? Like, is he a good hang or not? And I feel like I'm leaning towards sufferable. Like, I feel like he'd actually be really interesting. I think the the stuff that pushes it over the edge is um, if you saw him as Mr. Music in John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, that that special <laughs> whenever he does like comedic stuff it really lands well and like yeah he's a um, really good actor he's, he's like a really one good of the actor. best yeah he's, yeah he's great for sure but uh yeah no and and this is a lot this this is this is another interesting thing that people may not immediately pick up on about horror movie talk is bryce is much more tolerant like right <laughs> Just well, I feel like Jake Jake Gyllenhaal is like kind of the midpoint. Gin uh is the midpoint of the spectrum between Jared Leto and I don't know who's who's on the sufferable end of that spectrum, but Jake Gyllenhaal is right at the center. Um, okay. Do you do you have one? for me it, it's it's better like back and forth oh do i have one for you yeah, okay yeah name. no i definitely the the okay so um yeah i think about this guy a lot um jim carrey yeah um he came up in the discussion yeah and i'm gonna go pretty comfort confidently as insufferable <gasps> oh yeah what Oh, dude. Oh, dude. After I watch, after we watched, um, what's it called? This movie. White Noise. Andy and Jim. No, Jim after and we Andy. watched. Yeah. Then I went, I immediately just was like, Jim and Andy. This will pick me up. Like, no. Okay. So if you if we were talking about Jim Carrey in 1996, I would agree with you. But Jim Carrey has the most interesting personality arc of anybody I've ever seen ever. And, uh, and I feel, I feel like his arc matches my arc, um, in a lot of different ways. Um, I think he is more sad than me now, but, um, I definitely, uh, I definitely, I definitely look to him and, and see somebody who I, uh, who I look up to now. Um, who I just think very highly of. Um, so yeah, for me, v- exactly sufferable. Like this is, he's the, the furthest on the line. Somebody who would want to talk about things. Yeah. For me, like he, he's, he's pretty insufferable. I think he's pretty far into the insufferable range for me because even I agree, he's a very interesting dude. And like what he says is very interesting, uh, but for me the turning point was also Jim and Andy, but the opposite side. <laughs> it was like, oh, he's like, like going into this realm of a lot of self-importance around um, 
shrugging off the the uh, you know clothing of fame and like saying he's above it and so where and then afterwards like a lot of the interviews where he's like on the red carpet or going to like promotional things yeah all the real deep baloney yeah he's like talking like you know someone's on the red carpet they're like hey jim how are you doing are you excited to see you know sonic the hedgehog 2 at the premiere tonight he's like this doesn't matter fame's nothing and like to me i'm like but you showed up like (laughs) you know what this is like obvious and you're commenting on what it is but you still showed up it's like "Mm." so the to me it's like he showed up to say that like that is so insufferable to me yeah no i mean if you actually saw it and yet you hang out with me (laughs) (laughs) which is it bryce i feel like see here's the thing insufferable and sufferable doesn't mean they're not super interesting and that i would want to hang out with them it's as you're hanging out with them how much <laughs> how much would you internally roll your eyes at them while you're hanging out with them like is it enjoyable or is it like this is this person is much weirder than i thought they were <laughs> you know and i feel like jim carrey would be one of those Okay, here's here's another uh, I can go on forever with this, but here's here's some of the interesting ones that I feel are kind of Well, you go telling. and then I'll go cuz I have one as well. Okay. How about Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> oh, that's a great one. I think yeah. about this a lot. So I just recently watched all the Jurassic Parks and Worlds. Um just back to back, just mainlined them. Um and it's interesting the arc of that goes you know jurassic park one fabulous jurassic park two wow oh wow okay what and then jurassic park three like a return to form a little bit like not good not terrible and then the worlds do the same thing the first one is like it's kind of good you know it's like i mean it's obviously no jurassic park but it does the same the second one's like what the and then the third one's like, okay, yeah, okay. Anyway, um, yeah, Jeff Goldblum. I don't know that I could hang. Uh, for me, yeah, probably insufferable. Yeah, I think, I think this one. Oh, man, I could go back and forth on this, but I'm leaning towards sufferable. And I'll tell you wants why. to be flirted with. That's why. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I think he's just a genuine character. Uh, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I feel like it'd be mm-hmm. actually pretty fun to be around. Um, and I think also, like, I have a high tol. I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head here. I have a high tolerance for yeah. insufferable people. Yeah, yeah. Like, type A, <laughs> yeah. like, really, like, putting it on people yes you do like i've i have a pretty high tolerance for that and i feel like this would be in that zone for me where it's like i'd actually like the experience of being around a person that's so into themselves (laughs) and trying to like be so much themselves in the moment that uh, yeah i feel like he's he's that way what do you get markle (laughs) 
Uh, insufferable. Oh, how Absolutely. could you? How insufferable. Could you? Bryce, I don't, I don't know any, almost their... anything about her, but anything I hear about her is like, wow, what? They canceled an insufferable person. Our million dollar a month security team three weeks before the pandemic started, and we had to buy our own security team with off of the five hundred million dollars that we have. Blatant racism. I've never seen. We had to move in next to Oprah. Now, I know what you're saying. That should be less. Wait, is this more racist or less racist? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay. Okay. On the flip side of that, how about Prince Harry? Um, Oh, man. You're you're getting into people that I have zero care for. Mm. Um, Sufferable? I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I have. The sample size of my experience with him is so low that I don't know what kind of conclusion to draw. Carrie just watches this stuff fucking constantly. It's like she's like, oh, yeah, oh, I got to see what, what a horrible narcissistic bullshit Meghan Markle's making Harry, Prince Harry do. Did you know Meghan Markle is basically Princess Diana? Did you know that, Rice? She's wearing that on her sleeve. She's like, I am his mother. It's like, wait, what? Wait, wait, what? You're oh, gross. Oh, oh. Oh. Okay, you go. Now you do one. Um, uh, Nick Cage. Ooh, that's a good one. I would love hanging out with Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that that one's sufferable. And again, right in the mid zone where it's like, is this the insufferable that you'll like or the insufferable that you won't like? I would like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good, that's a good, a good one. Here, Here's another one. Like, I realized as we were talking about these, me and Aaron, like, almost all comedians are sufferable to me. Like, they're, and so like. Like, that's, like, my desire is to hang around with, like, comedians. Like, Bill Hader, John Mulaney, you know, Louis C.K. or Bill Burr. Like, any of these people sound awesome. Um, And then finding the ones that I'm like, oof, I don't think I'd like to hang with them mm-hmm. is kind of, like, a interesting exercise. So, like... For me, I think uh, Bert Kreischer would be kind of insufferable. If he was with Tom, that'd be great. Like, I'd be able to also roll my eyes at Bert while experiencing him, but Bert himself is a little insufferable. Um, Here you go. Chris D'Elia, I feel, would be pretty insufferable. Yeah. And then the uh, on the female side was interesting too like yeah, female I don't comedians get into who's this. we shouldn't get into like, this <laughs> i think most no i think also like most female comedians would be a good hang like nikki yeah, Glazer, this is why i didn't want to get into it <laughs> ali wong but then some would be wanna, like i don't want to uh-uh. 
<laughs> not going there. I'm just not going there. Uh, well, I'll force you. You have to answer. Uh, Whitney Cummings. No. Sufferable or insufferable? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to hang out Why? with her. Why? You think you're going to get canceled or something? No, I don't want to hang out with her. She's Oh, you don't want to. Right. Insufferable. Yeah, I don't want to. The I want to hang out with Christina P. Yeah. The end. That's the end yeah. of that list. Because That's fair. for a number of reasons, many of which you can't understand. <laughs> um, Mayhap. Mayhap. What about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh. All that positive energy coming at you? Be insufferable. I, I think it would be insufferable. For me in particular, because like... He'd be trying to, you know, pep talk me and, and there'd be zero like common ground to talk about because Lucy and Bryce Hansen. Oh, wait. Wow. That was terrible. Ah, Bryce. Bryce Hansen. Listen to me and understand later. Understand. (laughs) This is important. Yeah. Kind of, kind of insufferable. Um, way too type a for me i think like way too much like oh yeah on the same vein uh dwayne the rock johnson oh yeah no totally insufferable no totally insufferable but in a different way than um arnold i i I feel like i would want to hang with arnold and i wouldn't want to hang with dwayne it's just because he's happy he's like i don't know (laughs) so fucking smug yeah, it's the smugness, maybe. The know. rock? Yeah. I think the the thing that would make, that I would want to hang around Arnold with, it would be just, like, how successful he is and how he can just, like, power his way into success. What about Tom Hanks? Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. That feels like it should be way easier, right? It that does feels like feel it should have that way, but you know it's not. It's going to have a bunch of opinions that he knows I, are just so You know what? I, I'm going to say sufferable. I think, like, Tom Hanks is who you see. And uh, I think he's enough of a normal person, Whoa. but also interesting enough. Uh-huh. In his like eccentricities, to where I think it'd be really enjoyable to hang around with Tom Hanks. What about the entire cast and crew of What's Eating Gilbert Grape? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna pose this: Johnny Depp, Juliette Lewis, Mary Steenburgen, Leonardo DiCaprio, and John C. Riley. Okay, let me go through this: Johnny Depp, insufferable. No. Um. Uh, Juliet Lewis, insufferable. What? Uh, Mary Steenburgen. <sighs> insufferable, just because I think she'd be kind of like polite, insufferable. Like this is one we talked about Jennifer Aniston. Me and Aaron, and Aaron said she was insufferable, and I said she was sufferable, and I said, but she seems so nice. 
And she's like, no, it'd be like Midwest nice. It'd be like Midwest polite where it's like you're acting polite, but you actually want the person to leave. That's how Jennifer Aniston would treat you. And then for me, that's hot girls. That's I go to the place that every man goes to, which is maybe there's a chance. You know, that's. <laughs> well, I got good news And I'll for suffer. You. I'll suffer for that. So Mary Steen version, I think, would be kind of on that scale of like, she seems like she'd be nice, but also I feel like I'd be uncomfortable around her because she wouldn't want to be there. You know, she's just being nice because she feels she has to. Uh, Leo. Mary Steenburgen is like maybe my, that that's, she's maybe like the hottest older lady in Hollywood. Although not anymore. She had way too much fucking facial work done. She looks like a fucking Muppet. Uh, Leo. Okay, dad. Sure thing, dad. <laughs> Shut up. Um, he'd probably be sufferable. And he seems kind of like the life of the party, but not in like a try hard way. He's kind of like, he's kind of this generation's Jack Nicholson, which is like, no, this guy fucks, and like, he knows how to have a good time. Like, that's, and he knows how to have a good time in a way that like, it's so overt that people are like, oh, that's just who he is, and not like, what a dick, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what um, about John C. Riley? John C. Riley sufferable, a hundred percent. Well, I would say sufferable. that down that whole list, sufferable. I would hang out with every single one of them and be like, "Yep, this is good." Okay, here's here's one. Here's a good one to to end it. The entire cast of Friends. Oh, completely insufferable. <laughs> completely insufferable. <laughs> Every single one of them, <laughs> especially together. Can you even imagine? Uh, together, absolutely. But I'm I'm thinking like separately, like not not all together, but like individually. There's just nothing there that I want anything to do with. You know, it's not so much that they're bad. It's just that I don't like it. Not even Jen. No, Jennifer Aniston is the. One. I think Jennifer Aniston and um... look, she's beautiful, and that's. That's where that's I think a big difference between how you and me think about this whole thing. It's why I didn't want to answer these questions about the female comics is because I'm I don't care about them. Like most female comics, I just like there's a couple that really hit it on the nose for me and I like their shit. And the rest of them I just that I just don't like their stuff, so I don't I don't want to I don't want to, you know, I like Christina P, you know? I want I want to be around her, but the rest, m most most people I do, most people I don't want to be around. Yeah, I think, I think. Yeah, I mean, I must like a lot more female comedians than you do. I'm I'm just much less sexist than you are, um, but I feel like Jennifer Aniston in particular, like she was on, uh, was she cast on SNL for like a second? Or am I th thinking of someone else? Did you say Jennifer Aniston? Yeah. Cast I feel like on she... SNL? No. Um... No, you have to be funny to be on SNL. You don't think Jennifer Aniston's funny? F 
funny enough to be cast on SNL? No. Um, Absolutely not. I think she was close to being cast on this SNL. This is turning I into an afterpod. I know. But regardless, I think she's she's got like some comedy chops, and I feel like she'd be pretty fun to hang around with. And then on the same vein, Lisa Kudrow, like, I feel like I'd, it'd be enjoyable to hang around her. Whoa! But, check this out. Before she became a sitcom legend, Jennifer Aniston, this is from ScreenRant.com, Jennifer Aniston had the opportunity to become a cast member on Saturday Night Live, but she turned down the role. Well, shut me up. Right. Yeah, that's that's what it was. Oh, she unsuccessfully auditioned in 1990. The spot was given to Julia Sweeney. She Okay, this is why this is why you can't trust anything you read on the internet. She had an opportunity was she so fucking stupid. I was right. So I was right. She couldn't. She, because why was I right? Because they turned her down. Or well, yeah, I mean that's kind of weird. She tried and failed. One place it says she was turned down. Well, this place said she was approached for a role in SNL and then she turned it down. So I mean, it's not it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if she auditioned and failed and then they later came back to her. They've done that with people. Like well, there's look, people that here didn't. here's the other thing. It is no <clears throat> surprise. It will come as no surprise to anyone that I am angry at attractive people for being attractive yes and and so all of my you know anytime i'm talking in about someone in a in a derogatory way it's jealousy and i'm a big enough man to admit that Hmm. okay Um, this this show can we just this is this is after pod territory i know we could we could put this we could go on forever with this this is why i love the game free is this not a great conversation starter anyways it is all right that's it for today folks thanks for joining us for horror movie talk uh please share the podcast with a friend uh support us go to horrormovietalk.com there's plenty of ways that you can support us um either our patreon or click through the amazon link in our banner or our shop Special thanks to our new patrons. Again, thanks to Eric W. and Shane M. for being our recent new patrons. And um, we'll see you next time, babies. Call us at 682-253-4468 to leave us a voicemail. And uh, we'll see you on the flippity-floppity. Bye. Love you. Bye. Good day, sir. Wow, that didn't sound good.